Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Today on the Brett Allen Show is the one and only comedian, Howie Mandel. Yes, AGT judge, comedian, father, podcaster, is with us on the program today. This was a fun conversation. We cover so many topics. We talk about debunking the stigma of mental health, being medicated, how that's okay, being stuck at home during the pandemic, and so many other topics. This was a very fascinating conversation. Howie Mandel has been in the industry for over 40-plus years. Years. We get into all of that and more, and plus just talk about what his life has been like since he's been home, what we can expect for the upcoming season of America's Got Talent, and just so many other things. This was a very fascinating conversation, as I mentioned. I think he's one of the most intriguing people in show business, and uh, this was a blast to talk to him. Be sure to head over to BrettAllenShow.com for all the latest episodes, big episodes, more episodes coming down the pike as well. Enjoy our chat with Howie Mandel. You're listening to The Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast. Have you subscribed to this show yet? I've tried bribes. I've tried gifts. You should. It's absolutely free. I even sent him some pet oxen. Now back to the show with your host, Brett Allen. Idly hey. Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished. A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. Howie, welcome into the podcast. It's great to have you here today. I know. <laughs> the pleasure is all mine, right? <laughs> the pleasure all yours. No, I'm I'm thrilled to be here. I'm I'm happy to be anywhere to be honest with you. I know it's been crazy like I feel like this last year not to go straight into doom and gloom has just been like this massive vortex. Or I'm nowhere. I'm where I've been for the last year. You're in your room, I'm in mine. It's not like I, I don't feel like I'm anywhere, but I'm thrilled to be talking to somebody. Yeah, I feel the and same way. My wife is doubly thrilled that I'm talking to you and not her. <laughs> she's like, what, what, for the first few months, it was great to have you home because I'm sure she's used to you being gone all the time. And now you're home all the time. Well, for those that don't know, I've been married for 41 years and people have always asked me, Howie, how does that work? Like, what makes it work? And uh, I can truly answer with, total, uh, you know, I know that I'm right. This is the one element. I wasn't there. You know, I was, I was traveling, as you said, you know, up to 300 nights a year doing live stand-up comedy. And obviously that all went away over a year ago and I've been home and we had our, our 40th anniversary in lockdown and, uh, we've made it to 41. Uh, and, uh, it's, uh, it's really tough now. She says for me, it's not, I'd, <laughs> here but to spend any amount of time like one podcast i hope people enjoy this podcast and spending this amount of time with me but i can tell you as somebody who has spent every waking moment with myself i'm not really a joy <laughs> i love the fact that you're so honest and it's not like you know typical comedian self-deprecating humor but like you're just like i'm kind of over it at this point of just 
being with myself. I feel the same way too, I think. No, no, no. It's not self-deprecating humor. It's something that I've spent a fortune in. I've, I've moved my, uh, my therapist into a whole new tax bracket. As I sit here <laughs> podcast, I am, you, you have no idea how medicated I am and uh, prescription wise. I'm a mess and I've always been open about my uh, mental health issues. But, you know, I have to cope with me every waking moment. Um, so, uh, I, I've spent my life trying to run away from myself. And now, uh, my poor wife has been locked in with me for over a year. Yeah. Well, I can certainly relate. I take medication as well for ADHD. I, I have it horribly. My son who is six was just diagnosed with it as well. So I get it. Like it's, you know, and, and that's one of the things that I've always loved about you is the fact that you are always so open and honest about it, you know, that you don't pull any punches. I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm 65 years old and my generation for them. Well, I believe this generation too, there's a stigma attached to, uh, you know, uh, mental health and, uh, you know, I've become in the last, maybe just 20 years, a proponent of, uh, trying to remove that stigma so that, uh, and selfishly so that I can openly take care of myself, you know, and not, and not worry about it. But when I first accidentally became open about the uh, suffering that uh, myself and many people uh, go through. It scared the hell out of me because I thought this is, you know, being open about it is going to be the end of my career, is going to be an embarrassment for my family, not necessarily in that order. First, an embarrassment for my family and hard for them. And then maybe the end of my career. And I didn't know how it would be received. And when I became open about it was uh, before podcasts, before Uh, Twitter and uh, before the internet. And even at that moment, it was scary. But I started getting letters of support and people kind of being happy that they weren't alone, which made me happy that I wasn't alone. And uh, now we're all alone together. Yeah, I love that. So I'm very curious because you mentioned it. Like, was this early on in your career when you became open about it, like during the St. Elsewhere days? Or was this long after when that ended and you started doing other things and becoming more public as far as comedy and performance and that sort of well, thing. Comedy became, you're probably too young to remember, but comedy was before St. Elsewhere. Uh, you know, I've been doing this for 45 years. The one thing that has been the, the staple of my existence has always been comedy. It's just that, that you know, I got these fragmented audiences that the people that watch St. Elsewhere weren't necessarily stand-up comedy fans. So those, you know, I'd get letters at the time going, I have a bet with my husband that Dr. Fiscus, which is the character I played on St. Elsewhere, is not the same as the idiot who blows the glove up on his head. And I am the idiot that blows <laughs> the glove up on my head. And then when I started doing like Saturday morning and I did Bobby's World, people would say, well, you look like the guy that's on St. Elsewhere. And then it, it, until I did Deal or No Deal, that's the one thing that brought all the audiences together. But it was in the 90s that I was doing it's in my book. I have a I had a I did an autobiography about a decade ago and, and I kind of opened up about it. And it was uh, it became a New York Times bestseller. But I talked about how on I was on Howard Stern and I was on the Howard Stern show and promoting I think I was promoting my talk show. So it might have been in 99. Or that's why I say 20 years ago. Um, and he had a guy in the, uh, in the studio with me that was, uh, 
playing with his uh, penis. He's playing with his own penis and he's touching it, but there's no. And then I, when he finished, he left the room and my, my eyes, you know, I'm a germaphobe. So my eyes became laser focused on the doorknob because I was planning from that moment on internally. How am I going to escape this room and how do I open that door when it's my time to leave? What do I touch? How am I going to do it? I'm wearing short sleeves. And then uh, what happened was I didn't want to touch the doorknob. And I asked somebody else to open the door and they saw that I was a little like, no, I go, no, you open the door. And I went to grab a, a tissue to open the door with and they pulled the tissue away from me. And what happened is I ended up having a panic attack and, um, you know, which feels like a heart attack. And I thought I was going to die. And in that moment, I said, Howard, really, seriously, I go to uh, I'm in therapy for this. And it's not a joke. And I'm about to, if you don't open the door for me, you're going to have to take me out on a gurney and take me to the hospital. And they ended up opening the door. And then when I got out to the other side of the door, I realized, oh, shit, this was broadcast. You know, I thought we were in a commercial break. And that was the eye opening moment where I didn't set about to be public. But as it turned out, it turned into being a good thing because that's where I started getting the outpouring of other people who are suffering the same way. And I realized that we're all hiding it. We all feel alone. And even today, there's a huge stigma. Mental health is not taken care of like our dental health, you know? And uh, so it's a big part of who I am and what I do. And in this um, last year, I didn't realize how much of a panacea stand-up comedy was for me. You know, just that ability to be out there in public, in real time, connecting with other human beings, even if it's just to get a laugh or maybe not get a laugh, you know, you kind of, that's a connection. And to lose that connection has been uh, really, really hard. Yeah, I, I can imagine, especially for somebody like yourself, who is such a public figure, you know, in the literal and figurative sense, as far as like, all the things that you do. And, and I've talked to a lot of comedians, I've had the privilege and they all say the same thing. You know, they've been doing these Zoom type shows and they are sort of equating it to like the methadone to the real thing. And it's just not quite getting them there to have that human connection, if that makes any sense that that we need. It, it, total sense. You know, you said, you know, first of all, two years ago, nobody knew what the word Zoom or they knew what the word Zoom meant, but it was the sound of uh, a car going by. But but they didn't know what they didn't know what Zoom was. And I remember with, you know, learning what it is, I thought, oh, good. So we could connect, we could talk, but it's really just, you know, glorified FaceTime. It's not really, I'm not there, you know, and I could see your eyes, but I don't really, I'm not in the room. There's something about, you know, nobody's thrilled. Oh, I went to three parties last night on Zoom and I'm so tired out. It's not, it's not the same thing, you know, it's, it gives you access but it doesn't feel the same. And it's that uh, subliminal feeling that you can't explain of being in the room with somebody. You know, it's kind of like people who watch porn online or do you want a live person in the room with you doing it? I think a live person in the room doing it doesn't compare to watching it on a screen. <laughs> I, I love mean, that. So assumptive. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, that that's hilarious. <laughs> so assumptive. I I I think you're probably right as someone who doesn't necessarily consume it but does appreciate affection from another human being. I 
sorry, I'm trying to get my composure that I wasn't expecting that. That was really funny. It's just kind of like, I, I love the fact that you're so taken aback that you weren't expecting anything funny from an interview with me. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm taken aback that. <laughs> no, I love that. I love your honesty. I didn't. I'm just taken aback. I did not expect any humor today. That's no, not, I mean, the porn reference is what I meant. <laughs> just the. Oh, you didn't um, expect porn today. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> think porn and you think Howie Mandel. It's almost like the same word. That's funny. Yeah, I love it. I just think that it's crazy what we've been doing. And, and I was hoping to start doing a lot of these interviews in person prior to all of this happening. And then now Zoom has become a verb that we use every day, which brings me to the first thing I definitely want to talk about is your podcast, because I just listened to your recent episode. And uh, again, just the hilarity ensues, especially with the fact that you're with your daughter and the things that you guys talk about, how, how did the podcast come about? Like, it's just, I think. I never thought about doing a podcast. So because I'm, I feel like a, a trapped animal in my home. Um, and the fact that the, the hardest thing for me specifically was the, the inability to be with my children. You know, my children were worried about me. I'm, I'm 65. And, uh, you know, so they weren't around and I have grandchildren and they weren't around. So I would incessantly uh, call them all Jackie, specifically Jackie Schultz, who's, a, you know, an influencer in her own right. You know, she's married with two kids and we would spend hours on the phone and we would start making prank phone calls together. And we would just laugh and uh, sometimes be inappropriate. And my wife would walk in the room and say, well, like, who is this for? Like, you guys are just acting like idiots. And it's like for nothing. You should record it. And I said, record it for who? She goes, it doesn't matter. Just record it. And uh, lo and behold, that's the podcast. So we do me and my daughter, you know, we call our friends. We prank call people. We talk. We've talked about serious subjects. We talk about. You know, it's just uh, we call the family and then it ends up just because of who we are, usually ends up in an inappropriate, funny, awkward, uncomfortable area. But uh, that's who we are. And that's all Howie Mandel does stuff available on all platforms. Yes. And we will definitely link it to our show notes so people can access. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have listened to it. I mean, podcasts are just in a boom even in the last year since this whole crazy thing happened, people started podcast and, you know, and they say, well, this is like the new golden age of, of entertainment as far as podcasting goes, because it's just so accessible to have conversations with folks like yourself and other celebrities, because it's this medium that allows us to have this conversation. You know what I mean? Like, unless I was a contestant, on AGT or deal or no deal, we might have an exchange. But I think outside of this, it just allows people to talk about things that they might not normally discuss in a, in an open forum, you know, as far as having one-on-one -on -one conversations, whether it's with your kids or other folks. Right. And it's great. It's well, almost therapeutic. It is. And I didn't even think of it that way. So can we talk about the fact that I, I'm chafed? <laughs> sure. No, I, I don't want to. I don't want to, but I just realized that if I wanted to, the podcast is the place to talk about it. And people will listen to it because it's funny as a side note, this new 
docuseries, I think, came out on HBO called Wall Street about following Mark Wahlberg around for a year while he's getting ready to do these business deals and, you know, the pandemic hits and how he struggles just as much as everybody else does as far as making financial decisions. My point being that it's instant entertainment. Like, it's like, I want to watch this because it allows me to have access into a world that I would never have access to. So we joke about it, but I think people would want to hear, you know, the struggles that Howie Mandel has on a daily basis. Cause it's, it's not just entertaining or sensationalism, but it's really, it's therapeutic. That's how it started for me talking about my divorce. And then it's turned into this, but then for you, I listen to your show because it allows me to have access to how you interact with your children, which I think is great. I mean, being a father to me is the greatest thing out of all of this. It has to be, you know, or things don't really matter. In my, in my personal opinion, being a father is the best. Well, they, uh, it is the best. It's also the most important thing you can do. And, and it's not taken lightly. And then once you have a child, you know, the, the, it, when you're in uh, our business, uh, you know, uh, uh, a question that's asked a lot, maybe it's our business and being my age, they go, how do you want to be remembered? <laughs> you know, or what do you want people to say about you when you're gone? Which is kind of a depressing question. You know, I'm, I'm, I got a, a spot or on a, on a show or an interview on something and they're saying, so when you die, <laughs> you know, but, but my, my answer is always the same. I, I don't give a shit if anybody remembers or knows anything that I did, my legacy and my, uh, my footprint on this earth are my children, you know, and that's all that it's, that's the most important thing that you can do is create and set free a human being that hopefully makes this world a little bit better for that person being here. And that's so much more important than the silly little jokes I tell and the, the goofy little things that I do. So, nothing has changed my perspective on life more than becoming a parent. You know, I thought that I would grow up and have children and teach them about the world. And I've said this many times, but I grew up and had children and they continue to teach me about the world because you learn how people are affected by who you are, what you say, what you do. And that's why they are the way they are, you know, even genetically, you know, if you pass on and I did, you know, like you just said, uh, ADHD, I have ADHD and so do my kids and my kids. Uh, uh, I don't think there's anybody alive that doesn't have a mental health issue, but, um, you know, Jacqueline and she'd be okay with me saying this does therapy also and has OCD and, uh, you know, and, you know, as much as I, I feel guilty about that, I didn't, I can't help genetics. Well, I could have not procreated, but too late. She's here. Yeah, that was one of the hardest things for me to get past, honestly, was when he was first diagnosed. And it's just recent. Within the last few months, I felt this overwhelming sense of, geez, you know, man, I can't believe that's the one thing, you know, again, I'm 46. I got a late start with having children and his mom. She's being diagnosed as well. So we're both kind of contributors to it. But it's really kind of a daunting thing to hear, especially when you start talking about potential medication for it and catching it. And she says she don't think she would have recognized it had she not been homeschooling him, that it may not have gotten picked up on, you know, as early as it did in the public school system. But I digress. It's just crazy to think about. But 
kind of looking at your career and all that you've done, I've heard you say this before, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you really didn't start out in all of this to be famous or to be successful, right? You just did it because it was something that you were dared to do comedy and you did it and it just happened to. Well, that's part of my ADHD and, and, you know, I kind of just do it, which is a great, you know, Nike's done really well with that saying, but uh, not that having any of these issues is uh, a blessing, but, you know, I talk about everything I've ever been in trouble for, expelled for, gotten yelled at for is what I get paid for. You know, um, when you have ADHD, which I wasn't diagnosed with, uh, I am now diagnosed. I was a spokesman for adult ADHD for a while, but um, you don't think of ramifications. You don't think, you know, it's just like you, you just do. And uh, sometimes that, becomes problematic. But in, in my case, one of the things that I just did was dare to get up on stage and in the moment to be a stand-up, to do stand-up comedy. The joke was going to be if I, and I'm, I'm overthinking it now, but I didn't think about what would happen, but I thought yeah, it'd be kind of funny because I'll go, ladies and gentlemen, Howie Mandel, and I'll show up and I'm not even a comedian. And then when it, when it did work out for me, I thought, oh, this is a great place to stop two, three times a week. It was Yuck Yucks in Toronto. This is a great place to drop in. You know, I can work, make a living. I'm engaged to be married. And now I've I found this, you know, I'm not in the sports. So I did, I wasn't playing basketball one-on-one a couple times a week. I'm not into gambling. So I wasn't, I didn't have a poker game to go to. And uh, I wasn't into clubbing. So I didn't dance or drink. So this is like a, a hangout that would be fun no, with no thought to, uh, you know, have any, uh, recognition or even make this a living like this would pay the rent. No, but it was fun to just go act like a goofball and every door that has opened for me since. And I realize, you know, that, that my philosophy now at this point and from this vantage point of being 65, I think everyone has opportunities I don't think everyone recognizes opportunities and then, and opportunities may not, you know, I'm, I'm sure you'll have listeners who go, well, I didn't have any opportunity, you know, he's, he's, but you do, I can't tell you what they are. And they're even opportunities to make bad mistakes and, and even get hurt, but those are opportunities. And because you didn't do that, then you didn't move in any direction. I think that most people just try to cling on to what they're doing and how their life is. And then the world changes around them and they're just always clawing to keep up. And uh, when an opportunity arises, and I'm, maybe that's the wrong word, but when something arises, we have a tendency to think, um, not people with ADHD, but most people think. And I think we can overthink ourselves out of why we won't do that. And it's safer to not do that because if I do that, I could be humiliated. Listen, I'm not a comedian. If I walked on stage, it could be, if I thought about it, it could be really embarrassing. Number one, number two, it's probably a waste of time. I don't have any aspiration to do this. And, and I'm taking the time away from somebody who really cares about doing this and wants this as a career. Um, and if, even if I did want it as a career, what are the chances of some guy in the suburbs of Toronto you know, this idiot even making a career. And number four, I'm engaged to be married. I'm making a living. So what am I going to change? Why am I changing my career? I'm doing well. There's no reason to do this, but just blind, non-thinking, you know? So I did it. And uh, it could have failed, but even if it failed, that'd be okay. There'd be a funny story to tell. 
you know, that one time I went on stage, everybody's got these embarrassing moments in their life. And you always, you want to take something away from every moment, even if that's something to take away is I'm never going to do that again. That's a good, that's a good lesson. You know, everything is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to fail, an opportunity to learn something, an opportunity to maybe have that tool that you garnered by doing that. You know, every, I, I, you know, the glass is half full for me. And, uh, I just believe that, uh, I forget even now with my ADHD, I forget what the question was. And I find I'm in the middle of an answer and I have no idea what I'm talking about anymore, <laughs> but it's led to words, which is a paragraph. And soon it's going to be an entire, unless you interrupt me and tell me what, what I'm talking about. No, no. <laughs> I, I just asking about kind of going, starting forward with comedy, that it was really something you did to sort of help work through the things that you were struggling with, but it's obviously no worked out no. well for you. Yeah, no, it wasn't, you know, and, and then it was just a fun thing. And then it was, uh, you know, I came down to LA on a vacation and I, I knew some comics because I played yuck yucks and a guy by the name of Mike Binder from Detroit, who's a, an established writer, director, producer. He just produced on Showtime that, uh, special about the, the golden years at the comedy store. And, um, he got me on at the comedy store. He said it would be fun to do play in America. So I got on and there was, as luck would have it, there was a guy uh, that was producing a comedy game show called Make Me Laugh in the Audience. He saw me, he said, you want to do TV? I said, yeah, that's why I'm in Hollywood. I want to do TV. And he said, come to my office tomorrow. It was the first time I was ever on a, a television lot, a movie lot. It was KTLA in, in Los Angeles. And I went there and uh, he had, he said, try to make my uh, secretary laugh. And I made her laugh and they put me on, they taped five shows and had a great story to tell about my vacation that I had actually taped the TV show, which was not on in Canada. And when that aired, I was still working at what I was working on. And when that aired, um, I got a call from the Mike Douglas show and then the Merv Griffin show. And I would commute back and forth in my regular life and then do these little appearances. And then it grew into a career. And now yeah. I'm on your podcast. Yeah. Well, we're honored to have you. It's just taking advantage of those opportunities that come along and not being fearful of them. Or if you are fearful, just doing it anyway. I'm, which... I'm afraid of everything. So yeah. I live here. You know, my fuel is fear. And you're right. Taking advantage of every opportunity, good and bad. I just do. You know, I fail so and continue to fail so much more than I succeed. I know people listening. You know, I, I believe that I succeeded. And for me, success is just just happiness, you know, or just contentment. If I can find in a moment, I'm always just scraping to find a moment of being content. And whether that contentment comes out of getting a laugh, whether that contentment comes out of, you know, holding my child or doing a podcast with my kid or looking at my grandkids, I just want I'm just chasing contentment every waking moment of my life. Yeah, I can 100% relate. And just looking at all the earmarks of the big things that you've done. So we wrap up here, I, I want to talk about AGT because I have to imagine the draw to that has to come from just all your other experiences and really hopefully being able to give other people opportunities to experience success, right? And to get their gifts out to the world and to be known to other people, especially the ones that are, that you have discovered who are super talented, right? By your measure. Right. 
but it's kind of a dichotomy because I feel I love it. I feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world that gets to, I was watching it for the first four years that it was on without being on it because I'm fascinated by anybody doing anything, even when I don't understand what it is they're doing. You know, I watch TV 24 seven. I have FOMO. I'm on the internet from TikTok to Instagram to, and watching everything, things that aren't even in English. I don't understand what I'm looking at. And, uh, the thing about it is to be in the room on AGT when somebody walks on that stage that's had a hope and a dream. And as soon as they hit that X, their life is never the same because they've been on AGT. They've been in front of at least 10 to always uh, all the way to probably a hundred million people. Once it gets on YouTube, they get, they're known, you know, they get known. They have uh hang on. My phone is, you still there? Yes. Okay. I had a robocall come in, which oh. I like as uh, yeah, apparently uh, my warranty is overdue on my <laughs> car and I won something from Marriott. So I've been really lucky this week. But anyway, uh, what I was saying was, so my heart goes out to anybody because I kind of put myself in that position of walking out there. The problem is that I have, but I try to be, I think sometimes honesty can be construed as negativity, but. I want to be honest and constructive and, you know, give my opinion. That's the hardest part, especially to a young person, to a kid, you know, but I, I try to be positive, but I am positive about thinking that I'm the luckiest guy in the world to be able to be sitting there. Yeah, I would say so. And this year, a lot of it has been virtual because of the pandemic. So I imagine that has to lend to a little bit of extra interest right as far as being able to get people in and out and all of that and hopefully you guys can do live no you're not virtual last oh, it's year not we, okay last, had a lot of virtual they are there live the you know we're we, we, covid uh restrictions are applying you know I'm, I'm not going up and giving anybody a hug but they're there live there is uh, the assemblance of uh, of an audience so people are reacting and uh, it's actually more explosive this year than it's ever been, because I think people have this pent up year that they're coming out of. So they're just and it's going to play. I can't wait for everybody to see AGT. Yeah, it's the one summer show that I like that I can watch with my kid because we just love he loves the animal acts. I think those are his favorite. Uh, we have a, and different animals, not just dogs. Wait till you see it. <laughs> Love it. Well, there's the podcast, which is amazing. There's your book. There's Deal or No Deal, which has lived in infamy in casinos across the country. And uh, I've played myself in one, so I'm excited. And just really, I think overall, your career has been great. And and, uh, it's, it's kind of inspiring to just hear all the things and to also know that there's the honesty and the human side to things as well. And uh, I really hope people listen and take advantage of your podcast and and read your book, which is great. And just, uh, you know, all the things that you're doing, um, it's great. And hopefully, you know, uh, you don't continue to to drive your family too insane, but Hey, it is what it is, I guess, you know, I know I'm driving my kid nuts. I I got vaccinated so that I could, she, she puts me outside sometimes. (laughs) I love it. Yes. I just got my second shot yesterday, ironically. So Feeling pretty good, uh, but so take it easy, stay healthy. Thanks for having me, and uh, continued success. And my best to your son. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. 
If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.